Well, praise God. Um, last five weeks, six weeks, if you count the week, we had extended worship. We've been talking about money and how uh, somehow I think there's been a separation of church and money, like there was a separation of church and state. And the intent of chip, separation of church and state is definitely not how it's played out today. And in the same way, God doesn't want to have anything separated from him. You know, it, it, he's the one who created currency and, and exchange rates and the flow of money and how it's trading and business and all those things and uh, innovation and just creativity and engineering and inventions and all those things came from the creativity of God. You see, some of the, the most, uh, some of the best inventions were created by Jewish people and other people, but a lot of Jewish people that believe that God speaks to them and bless them, give them downloaded ideas, and they don't have a problem being rich. You know, some people in the church have been taught so long that uh, well, uh, money is evil, that they, they think poverty is a blessing, when the Bible clearly says that poverty is a curse. That's a religious spirit, right? That's not God. God doesn't want you poor, okay? I'm just saying poverty is under the curse. So for the last five weeks, we've been talking about that. Uh, first week, we talked about tithing, and how tithing is a test to our heart. Every time you get a paycheck and you think, okay, first 10%, then you're thinking about groceries and other things like, oh, man, can I afford to it? I'm going to say you can't afford not to, all right? But, uh, and also, God doesn't ask you to take your tithe. He says, bring my tithe into the story. It's, it, it, he gave it to you. All of it belongs to him. He's letting you keep the 90. He said, but you've got to bring my part and bring it to your local storehouse. So uh, some, uh, these are factors in our, our, our prosperity. Uh, offerings, another one, we looked at that, how offerings and tithes and offerings are both important to God because they're types and shadows of Jesus. We can see Jesus as our sin offering, our burnt offering, all those offerings we went through that, on that Sunday. Then we looked at financial stewardship and how uh, not, it's important not to live above our means and not also to be wasteful. And uh, we talked about how the same God who's El Shaddai, the God of more than enough, is the same God who told the disciples to go back and pick up the leftover pieces after they fed the 5,000. So God doesn't want us to be wasteful. Week four, we looked at government programs of assistance. We looked at possible, uh, for some may need to go back to school, get some more education and training so they can get the better job. We looked at the importance of a good credit score and how to use credit cards in your favor. All very important things. And then last week, Michael Raymond was here from uh, Thrivent from Asheville, and he shared on investing, short-term and long-term. He looked at uh, IRAs, Roth IRAs, 401Ks, Social Security, and all these kinds of things. Think about your future for retirement. How many of you guys were, enjoyed last week? I thought Michael did a great job. If you, if you filled out one of his uh, cards, um, just if, you, if you're not going to mail it in, you can give it to me, and I can scan it and give it to him. Some of you have already called him and uh, talked to him about investing and things, and it's, it's great. It's great. It's something to look forward to our future. That even He said if you can put $25 a week away, that's going to add up to you know, a great amount by the end of even 10 years. If you start at 20, you had 100 and something thousand dollars when you only actually invested, what's the math on that? 12, that's 100 a month, 12, uh, 12 you basically like 12,000 over 10 years, but you're going to have 106,000 in change after a 10 year, after a 10 year investment of only 12, uh, whatever, 12,000. That's a pretty good return, right? Over, because it's compound interest. And so we want compound interest to work in our favor, not against, against us like when it does with debt. So, uh, so again, I thought five weeks is going to be enough. God gave me that vision of, you know, of the guy drowning in the water, and this is where this kind of came from. But the more I studied and studied on money and issues and things, the more I'm like, this affects every area of our life. I mean, you, every one of those five matches you could have expanded on to, into a series, even especially what Michael shared last week and others, and other topics. But um, 
there's a lot to talk about when it comes to money. And I've had some come and, and, and thank me for sharing these things, and they've been thinking more about their money and how to invest, in, invest how to be a good steward, how to cut some things out maybe they don't need in our budgets. And uh, it is important to think about. Amen? So, uh, but I felt like God wanted me today to go back and go over one of the topics I mentioned briefly from week one. And in week one, we talked about uh, factors of our prosperity. And we looked at uh, our soul our soul prosperity is a factor and our financial prosperity. We looked at our confession is a factor. Our obedience is a factor. Hard work versus laziness is a factor. And our tithing is a factor. So all these are important. There's probably other factors involved as well. But today I want to talk about the power of your confession, how that is a factor in your prosperity. Because what you, what you say is what you're going to believe. Okay? And what you believe is what you're going to get. Ouch. I'm telling you, people want to make fun of sometimes, and I won't say that, but <laughs> want to make fun of, like, name it and claim it, and they call it blab it and grab it and stuff. But if, and, and, and that is a perversion. Even those titles are perversions. But if you read the Bible, he said, you're going to have what you say. Right. It says, you're going to have what you believe. And it's not just a New, T- New Testament thing. It's and through the Old Testament, too, and I have examples to show you today. So the power of your words is very important. So... First verse I want to look at is found in Matthew twelve thirty six. A very scary verse to think about it. But I tell you that men will have to give an account on the day of judgment for every careless or idle word they have spoken. So we have to be we're going to be accountable for every careless word or idle word we've said. So if God's listening for every careless word or every idle word we've said, I'm thinking that means He must be listening to everything that we say. So he can decipher if it was a careless word or if it was a faith-filled word, right? Um, so in, uh, also in Psalm 139.4, it says, Before a word is on my tongue, you know it completely. So before you've even spoken it, he already knows it. Man, who is this God we serve, amen? The, the wisdom and the, the, how smart he is. But believing that God hears every word we say, and even before we say it, should have an impact on how we speak, amen? How we speak to each other and how we just speak about life in, in general. So uh, some people, their conversation with God is much like talking on a telephone. To them, they're talking to God and they're kneeling down in prayer, they're talking to God, and when they get up to them, they're just like they're hanging up a phone and then they just they, they disconnect from God and they think God's disconnected with them, they just go on and do their day. That's not communion with God, Okay? That's a, that's a false image of what that looks like. God hears you all day long. And to, I want to suggest that what you say during the day, uh, it's not just what you pray, it's what you say. He doesn't have this divine editing button, and it's like, oh, well, they really meant this, though, because they're praying over here, and over here, well, they're just talking. No, it's not what you say, it's, what you, it's not what, just what you pray, it's what you say. Amen? I mean, it got quite quick, but... Uh, <laughs> But some think their prayer time, their devotional time, you know, God's listening, then it's click, and then they go on their day, and they have God compartmentalized in these different ways, like hearing, hear, and not know he hears everything, okay? So that should make a difference on how we say, what we say. And uh, so what if every word we say, God hears it like a prayer, okay? I want you to just think about it, because I think there's a divine editing we can all do in our, in our language, in our speaking we need to speak to each other, one another in brotherly love, right? 
honoring one another above ourselves, not seeing ourselves according to the flesh, but according to the spirit. So we're not going to be critical and judgmental and fault-finding and jealous. There is none of that in heaven. There's none of that in the kingdom. So we need to, we shouldn't be doing that either. Amen? All right? So I want to show you some examples of this. Remember in the book of Job, there was 36 chapters approximately that Job and his three friends are talking. And they're just hammering him, saying, you've sinned, you've sinned, you need to repent. This is why all this bad stuff happened in your life, because you've sinned, and you need to repent, and then God will turn and, uh, and fix your problems and stuff like that. And uh, then in 38, chapters 38 through 42, God starts speaking to Job and his three friends, and he starts, uh, he has something to say about what they've been saying. They've been talking for 30-something chapters there. He has an opinion of what they're saying. Now, were they praying when they were just having this conversation with the four of them? I don't, it doesn't say anything about them praying. They're just talking to each other. They're accusing him of sin. He's saying, I haven't sinned. They say, you have sinned. I mean, it's basically back and forth for like all those chapters. And God heard every word that they said, and he had opinion over what they said. And he, he brought correction to every one of them over things, including Job, over things they said. Remember, one of the things he said was, were you there when I laid the foundations of the earth? <laughs> like, imagine God saying that to you. Like, who do you think you are? <laughs> were you there when I did this? All right, so these men uh, were talking, but God heard everything they said. How about the, after the 12 spies came back from investigating the land, how about them? In Numbers 14, 26, it says, The Lord said to Moses and Aaron, How long will this wicked community grumble against me? I have heard their complaints of these grumbling Israelites. Now, do you think the grumbling Israelites got down their hands and knees and like, Dear Father, this is so horrible. This bread is awful. We've had this manna forever. Uh, it's so hot. We have hardly any water. Now Moses wants to go and take this land, and we can't do that. Do you think they were doing that, or was it just their normal conversation? I think so. They're talking to their friends. They're talking to their family. And Moses has lost it this time. The, the water thing, that was pretty cool. i got to admit, that was pretty awesome. wasn't expecting that. I thought we were going to die. But i got to tell you, that was pretty impressive. But this time, he wants us to go and risk our wives and our children's lives and go fight these guys. They have giants and all that stuff. We can't do it. And guess what? When we talk like that, God hears every word we say. Um, so uh, in verse 28... Of Numbers 14, it says, So tell them, as surely as I live, declares the Lord, I will do to you the very things I heard you say. Ouch. But I'm telling you, if you take it the right way, this can be an empowering thing because you can watch what you say and you can say what God says and agree with what his word says and let his word be what's coming out of your mouth and things can shift in your life. Sometimes our words are what's blocking the blessing from flowing into our life. Your words come from faith. Out of the bonds of your heart, your mouth speaks. It's coming from your faith. It's not like you've, uh, you've worked yourself up enough, you've pulled the, this thing enough, and, oh, and now you've got faith. No, it's out of the abundance of your heart. It's going to come out. Amen? Did you like my chainsaw there? <laughs> All right, this may, that verse made me think of Mark twelve thirty seven. It says, For by your words you'll be acquitted, and by your words you'll be condemned. Say, come on. Uh, Pastor, there's grace involved here. Yeah, there is grace involved here, but you're going to have what you say. I mean, I'm just telling you, it's in the Bible. It's all through the Bible. God hears it. said, okay, I heard that. That's what you say your life's going to be like? So be it. Or how about, according to your faith, be it done unto you. You're going to have what you say. And somehow they, they place this over into like a word of faith camp or a, a Pentecostal camp or something. No, it's in the Bible. 
It's God, okay? It doesn't matter what camp it's in. It's in our Bible. If it's in our Bible, it belongs to us. Amen? So, um, so since what we say is important, is what we say in the area of our finances important? Okay? We've got to get this separation stuff of, of the money or church or whatever out because it's not how it works. Do you think God hears you when you say we're poor? Do you think God hears you say uh, we're never going to get ahead? We take one step backward, forward and three step backwards. Have the buns of your heart, your mouth speaking. Come on, somebody, don't take this condemning. I'm telling you, this will empower you to have something shift in your life. Or uh, things, that just, things just don't work out for us. I don't know why they're so blessed, but things just don't work out for us. I've tried the Bible thing. I've tried the tithing thing. I've tried the offering thing. It just doesn't work for me. And God's saying, hmm, okay. Um, ouch. We say uh, they can do that because they're blessed, but we can't do that because we're not blessed like they are. It must be nice to have all that and have all this and have all that. And you know what? God's hearing everything that you say and you're grumbling and you're complaining and it's full of doubt and unbelief and you don't have faith that God wants to bless you. He wants to bless you. But your mouth, your words are going to either cooperate with God or they're going to block him from doing what he wants to do because he says according to your words, it's going to be done to you. It's not just according to your faith, because your faith's going to come from your words. Out of abundance of your heart, your mouth's going to speak, amen? So it's your word, what you say is what you're going to get. Uh, now, you can pervert that, of course, but I'm not going to go there today. You can take that to extremes, but it, there, it's, it's going to be a big deal. All right, people say, we can't do that. We can't afford that. So, and I, I know there's budgets. We already looked at budgets. We already looked at all that thing. So today, I'm going to focus just on this. Today, you can counterpoint everything and balance it out, but... Uh, I heard Kenneth Copeland say this sometimes when his kids would come to him asking for expensive things that he knew in their budget they couldn't afford at that time. Instead of just saying, come on, where are you? Do you see what we're going through here, kid? You, see, you know, trying to bring this little kid up to where the pressures of life, saying, that sounds like a good faith project, son. Why don't you start praying to the Father about that and see how he can help us work this out. So instead of crushing his dream or crushing him and bringing him to this reality of poverty, Right? Reality of God can't do it. God can do it for this guy, but he can't do it for us. Instead of crushing the kid and filling him full of doubt and unbelief, we can say, hey, listen, that sounds like a good faith project. Amen? And still you got to work with the budget. All right? Or we can't go to that conference. We can't afford it. Or your, sp- your spouse has a dream about going to here or going to there. And you say, ah, oh, um, yeah, that sounds great, but keep dreaming. Have you ever looked at our bank account? Have you ever seen our checkbook and stuff like that? I'm telling you, those are so easy to say and so normal to say, but God hears what we say. We are not factoring God into the equation when we speak like that. And I'm, I'm not preaching to you. I'm talking, this is the Bible. I'm included in this too. I've said probably all of those things. <laughs> I'm sure. Holly wants to go to Europe. Oh, yeah. Have you looked at our bank account? She wants to go visit her sister. I'm like, have you looked at it? I'm like, have you seen it? And she never looks at it, really, for the most part. <laughs> she just asks me, can we afford this or that? And, I'm, and sometimes I say yes or no, depending on what I, <laughs> what I want to say. <laughs> but anyway, but, uh, or a job opportunity presents itself. And uh, says, I can't do that. I'm not qualified for that. Now, if you're not qualified, I understand sometimes there is some limits. You need education and things. But what if God says you're qualified? What if he's speaking to your heart? That's your job. That's what I've called you for. And then you're saying, I can't do that. 
I'm not good enough for that. I'm not smart. You, your words, your belief is hindering your blessing. We're not walking with God. We're walking in fear and doubt and unbelief. But he wants to push you into this place, not just for more money, but for more influence. Right? We get to influence those people, and, uh, bosses and leaders. So what's the difference in us saying things like that and the Israelites saying, we can't do that. We can't take the land. There are giants in there. They're going to kill us. We need to go back to Egypt. Or, uh, Moses, why did you bring us out in the wilderness to die? What's the difference of them saying that and us saying those other things? It's the same thing. There's nothing new under the sun. Didn't you know what Solomon said? There's nothing new. So, uh, I think the same verse would apply to us. Verse 28 said, As surely as I live, declares the Lord, I will do to you the very things I heard you say. Now again, I'm not wanting to scare you. I'm wanting to empower you. What if you started speaking the word of God over your finances? What if you started agreeing with what God says who you are? Your body could be screaming, I can't do this. I'm not smart enough. I don't know how to do this. I don't know how to do that. And God's saying, listen to me, son. You can do what I say you can do. You can do what I call you to do. Uh, there's a special grace and an ability that God can release to you, the can-do ability of God. He downloads that into you, and you become a different person. But you have to first agree with what God's saying. I remember years ago, we were praying for different ways, for asking God to bless us in different ways. And uh, part of it, honestly, is because I wanted to stop working across in our school. <laughs> no offense to the people that live there, work there. <laughs> but, I mean, it's a tough job. And I was wanting out. And we had three little kids, and it was tough. And so I was looking at everything from uh, typing out, you know, doctor's reports and online this and that and start my own eBay company and just all these different things I was looking at. They're all bad ideas. But uh, none of them were good for me. I started, my, I started doing a... Oh, yeah. And uh, I, was, I was looking into... Yeah. <laughs> I was looking into every possible other job I could think of. Uh, I even started taking a course, kind of like what Jordan's doing now, electrical engineering type course, uh, kind of online through the books and stuff, and I did, but you didn't really have a teacher, and I didn't go well. I was just wanting to get out, and uh, that was one reason why uh, I wanted to be blessed was so I could get out. So one day I'm praying. It was a Sunday morning. I remember one of our cross and our kids just got in an accident that morning. I had to go help him with his car, so I missed church. We were coming to Plumtree at the time. And Holly took the boys to church and everybody to church. And I, I laid back after this kid was resting after the accident. And uh, God's like, I want to bless you, but you got to give me something to work with. I'm like, what do you mean? He goes, you got to do something. You get, I, I, I bless the works of your hands. You know, I don't bless the, the back of your pants or whatever. <laughs> he didn't say that part, but uh, I'm just, uh, but he blessed the works of your hands, right? Whatever you put your hands to will be blessed. So he, he said to me, he goes, I want you to build a house. In Boone, uh, I want you, uh, I said, you can, you can borrow some money from your a family member. I didn't know who that was at the time. Uh, you're going to sell it to a family in Florida, and you're going to sell it for $250,000. Uh, and live in it for two years and sell it, because then you can live in it. You don't have to pay the, uh, the taxes on, on, your, on your income. Anyway, and that's exactly what happened. And it was, yeah, we didn't know how, we went to the bank first time. We didn't have money for a deposit. I was like, well, i got to go with what I know to do. So the first thing I needed to do was to, this is way off my notes, but it's for somebody, praise God. <laughs> so I, uh, I, uh, we went to the bank together, didn't know if we qualified for any kind of a loan. And uh, they, we talked to them, went to a couple different banks. They said, we'll have, have this much of a down payment 
in order for this to happen. Well, then we had some numbers to work with. So you have to start walking out in faith what God's saying to you, right? You have to take baby steps. You do what you can do, then God does what he can do. So we got right to this far as we could go, and then uh, one of Holly's side of her family member lent us some money for the down payment. They said, when you sell it, you can just pay us back. I was like, praise God, I had no idea. So we were able to do that, and when we were able to sell, sell the house after, we were to pay back all of our debts, paid off our van, all of our debts, we were debt-free. And uh, that was one way God used to bless us, but it was by doing something he instructed us to do and then partner with him along the way and taking steps in that. And now I have to look at my notes because I have no idea <laughs> where I was going. But, but um, God wants you blessed, but sometimes we have to do something, all right? So... Uh, how you really know what you believe is when the pressures of life come on. When the pressures of life, sometimes the pressures of life are actually a gift in a way of in disguise because you're going to know what you really believe when pressure comes. When this bill comes or this doctor report comes or this happens or that happens, the pressure of life comes against you. Out of the abundance of your heart, you're still going to speak. All right. When you do, it's, you don't need to condemn yourself. Write down what you're saying. That'd be the wise thing. Write down the things you're saying and pray over it. Ask God, why am I saying this? He's because you believe it. <laughs> There's a lie you believe in here. And then God will expose the lie. You renounce the lie. Ask God what the truth is, and the truth will set you free. We've, agreed with, we've been in agreement with the poverty spirit for so long. It's just a second nature of way of thinking. When God wants us to be blessed. Amen. He wants to be people of influence, to influence the king in the, king, in the kingdom. So, um, and you'll know what you're, what you're feeling. You'll know what you really believe by what comes out of your mouth when you feel that pressure. Have you been there? Then you go back and say, well, I didn't really mean that. Well, did you or didn't you? And, I mean, again, not condemning, but take note of it. If it's coming out of your mouth, what if it is in your heart? And you can cut that thing off with a root, and then all of a sudden truth can get in there, and you can start walking in more freedom, more victory. Amen? So some of you might feel, well, I can't, um, we can't win this battle. Or you might feel like these obstacles are too big, or uh, you desire to go back to the way things used to be because it was more comfort and more consistency there. And you could play it safe in a, a place of familiarity. Let's go back just like the Egyptians did. If we had this job like we did there, we had that situation like we did then. No, God wants you to prosper now. You don't need to go back. You can't go back anyway. All right? God wants to prosper you now. In Jeremiah 29, 11, it says, For I know the plans I have for you. He knows them. You don't always know them, but he knows them. And they're plans to prosper you. Amen. Let's not religiosize that word. Amen. He wants to prosper you, spirit, soul, and body, in every way that you can prosper. No, and plans to prosper you and not to harm you. Plans to give you hope and a future. Guys, we have to settle this forever in our heart that God wants to prosper you. Amen? He does. Why wouldn't he? Now think about God as a father. Which one of you wants your children to grow up and be absolutely dirt poor? Would you want them to live in an unsafe neighborhood or in a, a, a bad house with not a good roof or not a good sewer system or not a good this and not a good that? Would your, any, any father or mother ever want that for their child? No. And if they did, there's something wrong with that person. You always want your kid to have more than you had. It was easier for them. You want them to give their inheritance, give them everything you have. You want to plan for the future. You can give them even more, right? How much more our father? He said, you, not, you being evil now to give good gifts to your children. How much more will the father give to you? God wants you blessed. Amen. I'm not just talking about money, but I am including money. 
God wants you blessed in your soul prosperity, in your health, in your relationships. He wants you blessed in every way. It's a part of being healthy. Amen? So uh, look at these verses. Uh, oh, yeah. I want to say this. Um, he desires to give you your promised land. You can be a Joshua. You can be a Caleb. You don't have to be one of the other ten people. Say, oh, come on, pastor, that's impossible. Then you don't know God in this way. Anything you say is impossible. It's an area of your life you don't know God, and there's a stronghold there. You believe the lie more than you believe God. Okay? Does that make sense? If it's impossible, then we're not factoring God into this. Or you're thinking, well, God's just not going to do that. Man, I think i got a bass drum in my, my speaker there. Boom. That was, that was God saying amen. All right? So... Uh, so the question is, are you going to agree with what God is saying? And are you going to say what he says? Or are you just going to blurt out what you feel? Okay? You need to have a filter on this thing. We don't need to say everything we feel. We don't need to post everything we feel on Facebook either. Or you ate a donut, or you had a cup of coffee, or whatever. You went to the bathroom, or whatever else you're saying. I mean, we need to have a filter, right? In Psalm 107.2, it says, Let the redeemed of the Lord say so whom he has redeemed from the hand of the enemy. You've been redeemed from the hand of the enemy, amen? You have been. This is not something that's going to happen. You have been. In Galatians 3.13, it says, Christ has redeemed us from the curse of the law, having become a curse for us, for it is written, Cursed is everyone who hangs on a tree. We have been redeemed from the curse of the law, and the curse of the law is found in Deuteronomy 28. Part of the curse listed there is the curse of poverty. You have been redeemed from the curse of poverty. Okay, I want us to say that together uh, as a confession, as a family here. I want you to say, I am redeemed, I am redeemed from, the from the curse of poverty. Now, some of you need to say it like you mean it too, okay? I am redeemed, I am redeemed from the curse of poverty. I am redeemed from the curse of poverty. Amen? Amen, you are redeemed. You're not trying to get redeemed, you are redeemed, but the redeemed of the Lord need to say so. You can't say opposite of that and expect this to happen in your favor. The redeemed Lord need to say so. I am redeemed from the curse of poverty. Amen? And why are you redeemed? Verse 14 says that the blessings of Abraham might come on the Gentiles in Jesus Christ and that we might receive the promise of the Spirit through faith. Was Abraham blessed? Was he prosperous? So he says the blessing of Abraham, and it talks about also you receive the Holy Spirit. And that's a blessing. Is that a blessing? Man, it's a blessing to have the Holy Spirit leading you and guiding you into all truth in any topic. Yeah. So I want to say it's, what you say is important, and what you say about your money is important. Be careful what you're saying. All right? In Psalm 35, 27, it says, Let them shout for joy and be glad who favor my righteous cause, and let them say once in a while, let them say sometimes, once a month, once a week, let them say continually, let the Lord be magnified who has pleasure in the prosperity of his servant. He delights in blessing you. Amen. Amen. He does. Man, I feel like I'm buttoned up against a religious spirit and it feels good right now. Like, take that. I'm just telling you, he delights in the prosperity of you, his friends, his family, his servants. Amen. He delights in it. 
God wants us blessed. It is God's will for us to be blessed. But we need to be one saying continually, let the Lord be magnified who delights in my prosperity. Amen? Um, hold on a second here. My notes just totally disappeared. All right. So um, an interesting part of this verse is, let the Lord be magnified. Okay? That is something we need to do. We need to let the Lord be magnified. You notice whatever you magnify looks bigger. It becomes bigger. I brought a couple of magnifying glasses with me this morning. And this one's really old. This is my grandfather's. It used to have, it has a light on it, but it doesn't work anymore. You can zoom into this fine print when you couldn't see as you get older and zoom into these small versions of the Bible or the footnotes in the Bible and zoom in. You can look at it and read it and you can see it. And I got this other one here that Micah had. I gave him when he was really little and he still had it. Now, does my eye look really big right now? Or is it? Or my mother had one like a mirror. And uh, it was a mirror, and it zoomed like this with a light on it. And, man, you looked at that thing, and you would, it could show every blemish on your face, every little blackhead and every little hair you didn't miss shaving in your neck and stuff. Like, my gosh, I thought I was cleanly shaven. You look at that thing, it was, like, magnified. Like, I don't know how much percent, but it was like, wow, I need to shave all over again. And uh, think of a, have you ever took a magnifying glass and, like, just looked at an ice cube and just look at the, the crystals in that thing? And just looked at uh, just the little cracks in it. It's kind of like you're skating. It's the same type of ice, how it looks. And uh, just the beauty of that, and a little piece of water melts off it and drips down in your hand. You're just looking at that thing. It's, it's really fascinating. It's just the details of God. Or looked at your hairbrush. might not be quite as pretty or fascinating. Different color hairs in there, and there's some, maybe some split ends in there, maybe a little bit of dandruff in there or something. And uh, stuff you just... You look at that and like, well, I've never seen that before. You look at it through a magnifying glass like, Joe, I've never looked at you like that. Right now, you look upside down, actually, right here. Um, or strands of yarn. You can look at that and you see this interwoven cotton mixed together to form in different colors to form later, can form a, a quilt or some kind of a blanket. Or how about an ant? Now, I know when I was little, I did take a magnifying glass to a few ants. I was trying to cook them. And uh, it was a nice, hot, sunny day on the black pavement. I'm like... I don't know if it ever really worked, but you could see. But when you're, I was trying to cook them, I could also see different things about them. I could see how many legs they had and these little antennas and their back and the color of them and how they were working so hard and how they worked together as a group and community. And they were just stuff they shouldn't be able to lift and carry. They were carrying. And uh, I think it's the same thing how we look at the Lord. When we magnify the Lord, he becomes bigger and our issues become smaller. We, we, we see things about God we've never seen before. We take this magnifying glass and say, wow, I've never seen that about you before, God. I didn't know you looked like that. <laughs> I didn't know you wanted to prosper me. I didn't know you wanted my, me to be healthy. I didn't know you cared about my family or in this way or my prayers. I didn't know you heard everything that I said. I just thought you were so busy, you listened to me once in a while. You know, and you magnify the Lord. You look at him through the, through the magnifying lens of the Holy Spirit and show him. He will show you things you know not of who he really is, amen? Psalm 34, 3 says, Oh, magnify the Lord with me, and let us exalt his name together. Psalm 69, 30, I will praise the name of the Lord with a song, and will magnify him with thanksgiving. Psalm 74, let, us, let all those who seek you rejoice and be glad in you, and let those who love your salvation say continually, let the Lord be magnified. You know, we can magnify the wrong things in our life, and we can magnify relationships, we can magnify purchases, we make the importance of owning this or owning that or buying that, and whatever we magnify, it becomes bigger, and also it becomes bigger and more important to us. But what happens when the Lord's magnified in your life? 
Your problems become smaller. The need for this or that or make you feel better at yourself becomes smaller. And he becomes magnified and he becomes exalted in your life. And, you, and, you, and doubt and unbelief starts to melt away like wax in his presence because you're focused on him. You've like on your phone, you've zoomed in on God and see, what, you see things about him you hadn't seen before. You really want me to prosper? Like me to prosper. You really want me to be healthy? You really, and you have to zoom in on God and what he wants for your life. Amen? So, um, we need to magnify his name. How great he is, how mighty he is, the beauty of his holiness. Magnify the insurmountable riches of God's grace. Magnify his provision for us on the cross and what it actually paid for. And as we zoom in, we're going to see these things. So, um, a few more verses I want to read to you guys. Hope you guys aren't tapping out. I'm seeing some yawns, but I'm going to speak to you a little bit longer anyway. Is that okay? You need to give me a few more minutes. I'm telling you, this can shift your life. I'm feeling God's anointing on this. Uh, and you have to fight through your yawns and sleepiness. I know we're all working hard. But Psalm 34.3, again, Oh, magnify the Lord with me. Let us exalt his name together. He becomes bigger. Your problems become smaller. Psalm 74, Let all those who seek you rejoice and be glad to you in you. And let those who love your salvation say continually, Let the Lord be magnified. This is something we have to do. God's not going to magnify himself for you. You have to zoom in on God. You have to put your gaze on him. And as you behold him, you become more like him. As you behold the problem, you're going to have more and more fear. You zoom in on the issue and the stress, the anxiety, how this, how that. That is not the solution. That's the, that's the challenge, right? But zooming in on God is the solution for that challenge. And again, Psalm 35, 27 let them shout for joy and be glad. Try doing that. Okay, right there. Who favor my righteous cause. And let them say continually, let the Lord be magnified, who has pleasure in the prosperity of his, ser- of his servant. We need to be speaking these things. We need to let these things come out of our mouth. It's not to make God be- uh, believe it. It's to make you believe it. Your tongue is a pen of a ready writer, and you need to write that on the tablet of your heart. You keep speaking it, and you speaking it. You're trying to get it from here to here so you can believe it, so you can receive the blessing God has for you, because you can't get it without faith. It's not head knowledge. It's not intellectualism. It's you get it from here to here, and you take it in the spirit realm by faith, and you're going to have what you say. Whether you like it or not, you're gonna have, you might as well say the right thing. Amen? Because he's hearing it all. In 2 Corinthians 4.13, Sons, I believed, therefore I have spoken. And with the same spirit of faith, we also believe and therefore speak. You're saying what you believe, okay? When the pressure comes, when life's normal or it's pressure time, you're going to, out of the abundance of your heart, your mouth is going to speak. Don't condemn yourself. Don't even judge yourself. Make a note of it. And then go into it like, hey, God, I got some doubt and unbelief in there. I didn't realize I had. Let's take care of that. As a friend, let's take care of that. And you, get, you can have faith and doubt and unbelief at the same time. You really can. The Bible's full of stories like that. So we get more doubt and unbelief out of our heart. There's more room for faith to exercise in our heart. And there's more room for us to take hold of those things, the promises of God, by faith. And hold on to it. And the next verse is, let us hold fast or hold on to our confession of our faith without wavering. For he is faithful that promised. Amen. God is faithful. He meant what he said. And he still means what he said. He's not backtracking. He doesn't wish he had a racer going, oh shoot, I shouldn't have said that one. That one's too much. 
I can't do that in their life because, or whatever. I'm telling you, if you can cooperate with God and speak what he says over your life, things will shift. It might not shift tonight. It might not shift tomorrow. But as that word gets from here to here, your life will shift. And you can speak to mountains that will remove for you. The next, next and last verse, Mark eleven twenty three. This is not written by Kenneth Hagin um, or Kenneth Copeland or anybody else, which I both love both those guys. But it's written by the Lord. You know, Jesus said that. If you have your Bible and you have a red version, Jesus said this. Your Lord and Savior said this. For verily I say unto you, that whatsoever, whosoever shall say unto this mountain, Be thou removed, and be thou cast into the sea, and shall not doubt in his heart, but shall believe that those things which he saith shall come to pass, he shall have whatsoever he saith. And all those other verses is basically saying the same thing. It's not what you say, it's not what you pray, it's what you say. Amen? He's hearing them both as if you're praying. So we need to watch what we're saying and agree with heaven and speak what he speaks over our lives to walk in the blessings that he wants for us. Amen? Just like I had God want me to build a house with certain steps to take, the steps you need to take is we need to start speaking what God's saying, not what you feel. Amen? And life's going to shift for you. We're going to close with a confession uh, of faith. If you can put that on the screen for me, Micah, it's on the desktop there called Offering 2, I believe. I got these from Bethel Church, where Valerie is right now, uh, when I was out there years ago, and I've had them for a while. Um, do you see the, okay, I had them for a while, and honestly, I was like, struggling over something, I don't know if the church is ready for this. I don't know if I can get them to confess this together and them not be offended and think I'm a prosperity preacher, or think I'm this or that, or thinking I'm only caring about money. I'm not only caring about money, I don't really care much about money, except when I don't have enough, then I care about it. But, uh, but I care about being blessed, and I care about you guys, and I want you to prosper and be in health even as your soul prospers, right? So hopefully you can read it. If you can't, you can move forward. That did get a little small. The more words you put on there, the smaller it gets. But I want us to try to say this together. We've already given our offering. But when we give to the Lord, he wants to give back to us, right? Pressed down, shaken together. So it says, as we receive the offering, we are believing the Lord for, and we'll read this part together, right? Slowly. Heaven open earth invaded, storehouses unlocked, and miracles created, dreams and visions, angelic visitations, declarations, visitations, and divine manifestations, anointing, gifts, calling, and positions and promotions, provisions and resources, to go to the nations, souls and more souls, from every generation, saved and set free, Carrying kingdom revelation. Thank you, Father, that as I join value systems to yours, you will show, show favor, blessings, and increase upon me so I have more than enough to co-labor with heaven and see Jesus get his full reward. Hallelujah. Amen. Now, if you want a copy of that, we can get you copies of that. But we need to start confessing things over our offerings, when we give offerings, and also with communion. We need to have faith when you take communion, right? God wants to give you something in exchange for this communion, amen? And it's a beautiful thing. All right. It's not that late. Why are you guys yawning so much? It's only 12. That's my watch stop. It's only 1230. I was thinking it must be 1 o'clock or something. All right. Why don't you guys stand up? I'm going to bless you. All right. Father God, I just thank you for your word.
And I thank you, God, that it is your desire for us to be blessed. And you take delight in the prosperity of your servants. It makes you happy. You like it. And God, we want to partner with all the different factors of prosperity, the hard work and all those things too, but we also want to be saying what you want us to say, not speaking doubt and unbelief, but expecting blessing. So God, I pray you'd help us, give us a special grace to put a filter on our tongues, on our mouths, that we'd speak the things of heaven, speak the things of God so we can cooperate with what you're doing and saying so we can walk in what you want us to walk in. That we'd agree with you How can two walk together unless they're in agreement? We would agree with you and agree with what you're saying over our lives. No matter what it looks like, no matter what we feel or see, your word is still supreme. Your word is still sovereign over everything. And we just thank you for that. That we have power and ability to believe you and you gave us the ability to produce wealth and and that we be blessed and established and our children would be established and blessed. And God, I just bless each one here I do pray for promotions and increase and favor, for supernatural debt cancellation, God, for things that they're hooked to, that have hooks in them, they feel bound and and spiritually even connected to, will be broken off them. Religious spirits or poverty spirits be broken off, and we can step into the spirit of provision, the spirit of abundance that you have provided for us, God. Pray for wisdom to be released of what we need to do, what we can do, to prosper and, and what we put, need to put our hands to to be successful. And again, I just bless your holy name. We let the Lord be magnified today. We're going to let the Lord be magnified today and zoom in on what you say and who you are and see new things about you and what you desire for in our lives. And I just thank you for that, God, today in Jesus' name. Amen.